This is episode 198 of That Shakespeare Life. Today's episode is brought to you by Experience Shakespeare, the membership area here at That Shakespeare Life that offers digital history activity kits that work like science labs for Shakespeare history. Learn more at castycash.com slash member and stay tuned after the episode for even more details. Hi, I'm Alan Williams, archaeometallurgist working at the Wallace Collection in London. Another great method for studying the life of William Shakespeare includes listening to this. It's that Shakespeare life with Cassidy Cash. He was on his way to his execution, to the gallows, which, like I say, had been specially erected outside of his house. I mean... They really did know where to kick, <laughs> kick the, the boot in, put the boot in, shall I say. And he spotted an old friend in the crowd and he just calls to him, farewell, my dear, and farewell too to our fine hunting parties. Now I've something far better to do. Welcome to That Shakespeare Life with Cassidy Cash. Cassidy believes that if you desire to successfully learn or perform Shakespeare's plays, then understanding the real life and history of William Shakespeare himself is a must. That Shakespeare Life is the podcast that helps you go beyond the curtain of some of Shakespeare's most iconic works and explore the world of early modern England as Shakespeare would have lived it, learning from the writers, historians, and performers who know it best. And now, here's Cassidy. 700 years before Shakespeare, a man named St. Swithin established his place in English history, mostly because of the miracles that surrounded his death and burial. St. Swithin would capture the imagination of writers for centuries after his death, with one of his most famous miracles being recorded in a book called Historia Major from the 15th century. The early 13th century saw a shrine built to St. Swithin that stayed in place until 1538, just 26 years before Shakespeare was born. This imposing figure on the English consciousness was celebrated during Shakespeare's lifetime and continues to be celebrated today in England every July 15th. In exploring the history of St. Swithin's day, I discovered one man who was potentially named after the popular St. Swithin. And he was not only a contemporary to William Shakespeare, but he would go on to himself be canonized in the 20th century by Pope Paul VI. Now, there's no real connection between St. Swithin's Day and this particular Swithin Wells, but Swithin Wells was a Roman Catholic martyr during the life of Elizabeth I. His family was known to house and shelter Catholic recusants during Shakespeare's lifetime, with Swithin Wells being executed by Elizabeth I for housing Catholics. Here today to take us on a journey through the history of this holiday and the surprising history of a man who was named after the saint, as well as how the holiday was celebrated for Shakespeare and even some science behind how the holiday is celebrated today is expert in British history and our friend Philippa Bruel. Philippa Bruel lives in central England and is well-respected in her field as a history writer, presenter, and tour guide. She engages audiences with virtual tours and history holidays. She's the owner and founder of British History Tours, a tour company for those who love British history. Philippa entertains thousands each week with her videos and stories from across the UK and British history on her YouTube channel called British History. She's written numerous history blogs as well as writing for BBC History Magazine, Tudor Life Magazine, and Philippa is the roving reporter for the Tudor Society where she delivers live history tours from sites across the UK. Find links to more of Philippa's work and where you can connect with her in the show notes for today's episode. Hello, Philippa. Welcome back to the show. So glad to see you again. 
Hello, Cassidy. Thank you for having me back. Lovely to be here. One of the original St. Swithin's most famous miracles involved a basket of eggs. Philippa, will you explain mm. what happened to the eggs and how St. Swithin helped? So the story goes, or there's a couple of versions of this, that there was a lady walking over a bridge in uh, in Winchester, where St. Swithin was. He obviously was St. Swithin at the time, Bishop of Winchester he was. And the lady had either dropped her eggs or there were workmen on the bridge at the time who had accidentally or in some accounts on pur- purposely broken the eggs. And Swithin comes along and he picks up the eggs and they are totally restored. So, of course, this this being his uh, one of his famous miracles, but probably the most famous. In the Catholic tradition, to become a saint, is it necessary to perform miracles, even the saving of eggs level of miracles? <laughs> well, it varies over time, actually. And it also depends on whether the person was died as a martyr, so died for their faith or whether they were someone like Swithin, who he died of natural causes, but his life had been dedicated to the faith. And then after his death, miracles were found to be performed. In fact, actually, in the case of Swithin, enough to spread around. He, there's a story that uh, once he was adopted as the patron saint of Winchester Cathedral, as it is now, the monks that were presiding there had been told that they must go to the shrine every time a miracle was recorded or and that they got a bit fed up with this because they were being called out of their beds three or four times a night. So so Swithin seems to have had miracles in abundance, but actually not necessarily. Not all saints, I think, have also performed miracles or have had miracles attributed to them either in life or after death. In exploring the history of St. Swithin to try and understand St. Swithin's day as Shakespeare would have celebrated it, I came across a man named Swithin Wells, who was a contemporary of William Shakespeare, was executed in 1591. And he did go on to be canonized in the 20th century in 1970 by Pope Paul VI. So I wanted to ask you, what were the miracles performed by this man named Swithin Wells, and why did it take so long to canonize him? Well, this is a good example, actually, of a saint who didn't have to perform a miracle. Swithin Wells is one of a group known as the 40 Martyrs of England and Wales, And there was a movement in the uh, 1960s to have all people who had died for their faith, well, who'd basically been executed for their faith by the state between the years 1535 to 1680, to have them all canonised. Eventually it was agreed, no, we'll have 40. I don't know particularly why 40, but 40. And five of those were lay people one of whom was Swithin Wells. And in terms of the miracles, what the Catholic Church decided that they would accept is two miracles on behalf of the entire group, as opposed to needing to demonstrate. So each person did not have to. No. So he's part of a group and two miracles were sufficient for this group. Because Swithin was so, in his own lifetime, known for his good works, there were many who lamented the legend that that built up around him 
because they felt it overshadowed the good works he did in life and almost you know just so they aren't talked about because there's the legend that goes with him and the miracles that came at his shrine these multiple multiple miracles that were being reported over and over again that got the monks out of bed (laughs) much to their chagrin you know and then and that, that overshadows that he was actually just a incredibly charitable man in in real life when he was alive when he was alive and obviously executed presumably for being catholic or supporting catholics in 1591 mm-hmm. would swithin wells's execution have been this highly publicized event was he considered a martyr in his time or only later yeah he he would have been he was executed for harboring priests so it's actually him and his wife were charged his wife sentence she 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 wasn't she was executed she was commuted and into a prison sentence but she ended up spending the last 10 years of her life in prison but yes Witham Wells was executed actually on a specially erected scaffold outside his house outside his home at Gray's Inn Fields which I thought was uh, was quite interesting so certainly even if it wasn't publicized outside of the area this man's neighbors his community it would have been you know an event there everyone would have certainly known about it surely there were many catholic sympathizers in england who remain nameless today what was it about swithin wells that made him so remarkable to be considered officially one of these 40 martyrs of england and wales when they were looking into well, my understanding is that when they were looking at which 40 to use, it was a big exercise. And they they looked into the lives of the people being chosen. And they had to be people who had demonstrated lives of faith, but obviously dedication to the faith beyond what was normal. And in the case of Swithin Wells, he'd he'd actually had he'd had a great earlier life. He'd been born into country gentry type family he traveled in europe he so he's really well educated he came back and he set up a school but he started to come under suspicion for what they're calling popish sympathies to the point where he abandoned the school and left and that's when they moved to london to Gray's inn the house of him his house with, with his wife was known within Catholic circles, to be a place of hospitality for Catholic priests. So I think it's probably along those lines why he was he was identified. You know, he had a long record of providing hospitality and shelter to Catholic priests, you know, at a time where it was extremely dangerous. It was against the law. And he went to his death in very good spirit as well. There's a quote, if I can find it. He was on his way to his execution to the gallows, which, like I say, had been specially erected outside of his house. I mean, they really did know where to kick <laughs> kick the, the boot in, put the boot in, shall I say. And he spotted an old friend in the crowd and he just calls to him, farewell, my dear, and farewell too to our fine hunting parties. Now I have something far better to do. <laughs> and, and apparently quite a few of the, the 40, the ones who had been martyred, were they go to their deaths really quite, they're ready. You know, that they've got something else to do, like he says. He even joked with the executioner, a man he knew. You've got to imagine these are these are tight communities at the time. 
uh, a man called Mr. Topcliffe, and he says, hurry up, please, Mr. Topcliffe. Uh, are you not ashamed to make a poor old man suffer in his shirt in the cold? Because it was a December when it was December when he was executed. So I think that probably drew a bit of attention to his story as well. I know Catholicism was, let's say, frowned upon in Shakespeare's England. And I will I will link you to some of the episodes we have explaining the state of Catholic versus Protestant in England for the 16th century in the show notes for today. So you can explore that dynamic further. But suffice to say, Swithin Wells is a solid example of what happens to someone who supports Catholics in the 16th century. Philippa, in an environment so hostile to Catholicism, how is it possible that St. Swithin's day is still celebrated during Shakespeare's lifetime. I know that Swithin Wells is perhaps not the saint that was being celebrated for Shakespeare, but why didn't they brush this holiday aside since it was a Catholic holiday? It's difficult to tell. I think it's along the lines, basically, of if you got rid of all of the celebrations that were to do with, or that came through from Catholicism, one, you probably wouldn't manage to actually do it in reality. There might have been a level of pragmatism here. because community life everything revolves around these holy days which is where we get the word holiday from which we use in in Britain as you use vacation (laughs) and there were certain ones that were absolute no-nos so anything to do with Thomas Beckett I mean he was scrubbed from the books there's examples of saints books where his story has been blocked out because yeah for instance Beckett was he he stood in uh in opposition to royal supreme power but so I think Swithin, uh, St. Swithin's day, it's a more benign one. There's nothing sort of contentious in his memory because he was, he was the Bishop of Winchester. He was known for his, his humility. He was known that if he put on a banquet, it was for the poor. He didn't put on banquets for the rich. So I think it was probably a safe one to keep. That makes sense. And we'll we'll make a distinction here for you. The St. Swithin's Day celebrated during Shakespeare's lifetime was celebrating the 14th century St. Mm. Swithin and not Swithin Wells, who did go on to become a saint later in life. But Philippa, is Swithin Wells roped into the group of saints acknowledged for the modern St. Swithin's Day, or is there no connection between these two people at all, except the similar name? There's no connection I could find. The parents of Swithin Wells must have been aware of St. Swithin, so maybe there's a connection. But like we would call children Christopher or uh, Peter, Paul, you know, that kind of connection. Yeah, so I know that they would have different saints' days and St. Swithin's day is, is its own separate day. So how would this feast day have been marked or observed during Shakespeare's lifetime? If it was kind of a small feast day, would they even acknowledge it or was it just on the calendar somewhere? I'm not overly sure. So all these saints okay. days, I think, are marked with a visit to church and where in the year it is as well would depend on, would impact, I think, on what kind of feasting. And I mean, it was always a great reason to be able to eat slightly different food, get together, dance, whatever. I mean, with St. Swithin, he's linked to the weather. So you can imagine that people who are dependent on the land, I, I feel like today we we don't kind of get this connection because we're so removed from our food, own food production, but they weren't, of course. So if you've got a saint there who's linked to the weather, like St. Swithinism, we'll come on to, to why that is in a moment, and you're concerned about drought, you're going to be making a bit of a bigger deal because you want to pray to him to, to bring the rains. Which leads me to one celebration 
practice, I guess, for the modern St. Swithin's Day. It's celebrated in a similar fashion to what we have as Groundhog's Day, with the weather playing a crucial role in the event. There's a poem associated with the feast day in July that says St. Swithin's Day can supposedly predict the coming weather. Philippa, will you explain Hmm. this poem and the role of rain in the holiday and also tell us, is there any history behind this tradition? Yes, absolutely. So this poem or proverb, whichever or however you want to say it, and it goes, Since Swithin's Day, if thou dost rain, for 40 days it will remain. Since Swithin's Day, if thou be fair, for 40 days twill rain nay mare. <laughs> As in no more. And so this idea that if it rains on St. Swithin's Day, you're going to get 40 days of rain. And if it doesn't, if it's dry, you're going to get 40 days of dry. And the legend of that goes back to the actual life of St. Swithin, Bishop of Winchester, as he was. And he had requested that he be buried in outside of his church. This is before the cathedral was, was built. A hundred years after Swithin dies and is buried outside the church, Bishops Dunstan and another one I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, they dedicate the new cathedral to Swithin and they adopt him as their patron saint. So they move him into a shrine inside. And the legend goes that that this was against Swithin's wishes and that there was an almighty downpour displaying his disgruntledness at being moved and that that would set the scene. And it's supposed to be actually if the rain falls on St Swithin's Bridge in Winchester, but um, I think it expanded a little bit and we all just say, oh, if it rains, if it rains on St Swithin's Day, then we're going to get rain. So that's that's the legend behind it. But when that actually began, I'm not quite sure. The other thing that I thought you might be interested in is the scientific explanation as to why the weather might be affected. There's a scientific reason why? Do tell. There's a scientific explanation. Science always has to come in and, <laughs> and try and... Uh, take the the fun out of it all but anyway (laughs) well and to point out they're not they're not crazy there's a basis for this (laughs) it's actually a base so yeah so this isn't totally imagined it doesn't always ring true but it's not totally imagined because around the middle of july on our little island over here on the other side of the atlantic to you cassidy a jet stream settles into a pattern most years that's when it settles and it will stay there reasonably stably until or reasonably stable until the end of August. So depending on where it settles, basically north or south, depends on whether we get dry weather from the south or wet weather from the north. So and it just coincides, right, with when St. Swithin's Day would be being celebrated Indeed. in July. That well, see, that's fantastic. So there's always a little grain of you know of, truth, of truth isn't in there, there yeah. Yeah, there is a couple of uh, Guinness Book of Records entries for when it was totally wrong. <laughs> if you want to know those as well, just out of interest, because I've got them here. 1913, on since Wednesday, Day, there was a 15-hour rainstorm. I mean, that's pretty... Oh, my gosh. That's pretty hefty. But that was then followed by 30 dry days out of the following 40. So that didn't ring true that year. And in 1924, there was 13 and a half hours of sunshine 
inland and on St. Swithin's Day, which is pretty much the entirety of the daylight hours at that point, I imagine, followed the next 30 days out of 40 were wet. So, wow. <laughs> there's so, two examples cat- of where it was totally catastrophically wrong. Catastrophically wrong. Wow. We ask everyone this next question here at That Shakespeare Life, and that's, what's the one book you would take with you on a deserted island? My friends in England tell me I'm supposed to allow you the complete works of Shakespeare and a copy of the Bible, so your choice would be in addition to those. I'm listening to a book at the moment on Audible that I could listen to over and over again, and it is The History of Magic, which was an exhibition put on at the British Library on based on J.K. Rowling's research that she did in order to write Harry Potter. And a lot of what she wrote into Harry Potter as magic had roots in something that had been found, practices, manuscripts, herbology, the whole lot. And it's in this book. I reckon I could read that book over and over again and find something new in it every time. Excellent selection for sure. So what's next for you? What are you working on now that you're excited about? Well, I have calendar of tours for 2022, which have literally just sold out this weekend. So I'm very happy about that. So yes, we're getting back on the road, which is fantastic. And I'm building up my Patreon site. So I have a Patreon called British History, which I'm building up. We have a lot of fun in there looking at more, it gives me more time. That's what I like about the Patreon. You know, we can go, we can delve more in. We do virtual tours, um, blogs, historian interviews, and live events in there. So that's um, that's building, and that's really exciting at the moment. I'm loving that. Yes, I am also a member at Philippa's British History Group, and I can say it's a fantastic place to be. So we'll put links to the tours and Philippa's Patreon page that you can find in the show notes for today's episode. So make sure you go there to find that. Philippa Brule, thank you so much for being here and walking us through the history of St. Swithin's Day and Swithin Wells, the little known contemporary of William Shakespeare that would go on to become a saint in our lifetime. It's been fun having you. Thank you, Cassidy. You're welcome. Bye. Don't forget to stop by the show notes for today's episode to see bonus archival footage and links to the resources mentioned in today's episode, including more information on how you can follow Philippa on her journeys through British history at her website and Patreon page. Find all these things at castycash.com slash episode 198. That's castycash.com slash EP198. To go inside the life of William Shakespeare with documentary films, animated plays, and virtual tours through castles and other historic sites from Shakespeare's lifetime, be sure to check out the digital streaming app for That Shakespeare Life at CassidyCash.com slash app. That's CassidyCash.com slash A-P-P. Access to this entire digital streaming app is included with membership here at That Shakespeare Life. Members get exclusive content, including digital history activity kits that work like science labs for Shakespeare history. Each kit coordinates with the podcast and Shakespeare's plays and includes content you can use to take the activity and our show right into your home or classroom with lesson plans, worksheets, expansive history guides, and more. Explore membership today at castycash.com slash member. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I'm Cassidy Cash, and I hope you learn something new about the Bard. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to That Shakespeare Life. As always, the best conversations happen after the episode over at CassidyCash.com. Become a part of a vibrant Shakespeare conversation by adding your voice over at the website. Until next time, remember, when you want to know William Shakespeare, you have to go behind the curtain and into That Shakespeare Life.